0: Today in the Joy in the Word podcast, we pick up in the Gospel of Mark, and we're in chapter 8. This portion of the chapter is entitled, Jesus Feeds the 4,000, and this can also be found in the Gospel of Matthew. It says, During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will collapse on the way, because some of them have come a long distance. So it's just incredible here to read the words of Jesus, and he's saying, I have compassion on these people. I'm going to do something about it. His disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone get enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks. He broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they did so. Once again, just like when he fed the 5,000, he breaks bread before them. And when the bread is broken, it's placed before the people to be not only enough, but more than enough to where the people eat until they're satisfied. It says they had a few small fish as well. He gave thanks for them also and told the disciples to distribute them. The people ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Remember when he fed the 5,000, there were 12 basketfuls left over in here. There are seven basketfuls. Left over, it says about four thousand men were present. Having sent them away, he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the region of Dalamanthua. Again, per- forgive me for any mispronunciation. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, Why does this generation ask for a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them, got back into the boat, and crossed to the other side. Now this part is entitled, The Yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. You will remember from Matthew that Jesus also warned them about the yeast of the Sadducees. It says they discussed this with one another and said, It is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember, when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Seven, they answered. He said to them, Do you still not understand? You will remember from the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus said, You have little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of the Sadducees. Matthew goes on to explain, then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So in regard to the yeast of the Pharisees, he's literally talking about their teaching, about following the hypocrisy that they have led into, which is, being clean on the outside and not on the inside. In regard to the yeast of Herod, of course, Herod is a worldly man. He's not a Jewish man. He's not following any particular law other than what feels good to himself. So he's a very worldly focused human. And like I said, he doesn't mention the Sadducees here in Mark, but he did in the book of Matthew. But overall, he's simply warning them not to take on the ways of these other cultures, but to focus on his words and the truth. Now moving on to the healing of a blind man at Bethsaida. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. Then Peter's confession of Christ. We also read about this in Matthew and it can be found in Luke as well. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. You'll remember from the Gospel of Matthew, he quotes Peter a little more specifically and says, Simon Peter answered him. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replies to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. That is when Jesus goes on to call Peter the rock. Now moving on, Jesus predicts his own death. Matthew and Luke also share this story. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. So remember, Jesus just now told Peter that he was the rock that the church would be built on. And that Peter understood, not by his own understanding, but by revelation from God that Jesus is the Christ. And now, his response to him is a little bit different. It says, But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So Peter, of course, wanting to save Jesus from harm from pain, from suffering, not understanding the full measure of why he would die and rise again. Jesus responds by saying, get behind me, Satan, you don't understand what I'm doing. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Moving on to chapter 9. He said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. Here Jesus may be specifically referring to when the kingdom of God comes with power, being the time of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Now moving on to the next section, the transfiguration. We discussed this in Matthew. It can also be found in Luke, and it's a week later. It says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could have bleached them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. So clearly, Peter knew who Moses and Elijah were, whether it was revealed through the Spirit, whether Jesus told him. He knew who they were. But he said, how about if we build three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah? He said this because he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why did the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wish, just as it is written about him. Obviously, here he's referring to John the Baptist who came before him and John the Baptist was opposed by a weak ruler in the same way that Elijah was opposed. Remember, it said of John the Baptist that he came to prepare a way before Jesus. Now, moving on to the healing of a boy with an evil spirit. We read about this in Matthew, and it can also be found in Luke. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it often throws him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked convulsed him violently and came out the boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead but jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up after jesus had gone indoors his disciples asked him privately why couldn't we drive it out he replied this kind of spirit can come out only by prayer in other places Jesus says it can come out by prayer and fasting. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. The next section is entitled, Who is the Greatest? This was discussed in Matthew and also in Luke. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet on the way because they had argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child and had him stand among them. Taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. The next section is whoever is not against us is for us. This can also be found in the Gospel of Luke. Teacher, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And there Jesus is quoting Isaiah. It says, everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, How can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. And that ends chapter 9. We will pick up next time in Mark chapter 10.